encourage you this morning to, to find your sermon notes. You can follow along. Hope that you'll take some time later this week, this afternoon, or whenever it is, to discuss also what you heard today with your family, and then, of course, to, to live out the message that you hear. So I think we can probably all agree that it's, that it's hard not to feel just a little bit let down after Christmas. How many of you celebrated uh, in some form or fashion uh, with your family? Raise your hand. How many of you, almost all of us, probably just about every one of us in one way or another, it might have been immediate family, maybe extended family, and, and, and that's wonderful to do. It's good to be there all together, and you probably shared gifts, you probably opened presents, uh, you might have various rituals with your family. It's good to be all together. How many of you traveled? Anybody traveled this year? A few of you did. How many had people come to you? That's always nice, isn't it? Some of you did that. Of course, you have to get the house ready and, and clean everything up, and then <clears throat> afterward, you have to uh, debrief from all of that together, and and yet, that's a, it's a great time. We have kind of a, a high of emotion. Uh, we have the joy, obviously, celebrating the birth of Christ. And for me as a pastor, Christmas Eve is always a highlight. We have a lot of different services. The, the, the auditorium is packed. All the chairs are filled. We have to set up extra ones. We have the wonderful Christmas music. It's always a very enjoyable time for me. Exhausted afterward, to be sure, so you have that let down as well right after the great celebration of Christmas. Have you ever wondered, you know, couldn't we just keep doing this all year long? I mean, at least have the spirit of Christmas. Even if you think about the Advent candles, you may remember as we went around the four weeks of Advent, we had the themes of, of hope, and we had peace and, and love and joy. If that spirit could just be with us all year long. But if you really think about it, could you, could you really do everything we do in the week or two of Christmas all year long? It would be hard, wouldn't it? I think I gained five pounds just in, over the last couple of days, you know, with, with all the family gatherings. You have to go on a diet tomorrow or the next day. And what about all those gifts, trying to unwrap all of those? I know some of you, you know, you just bypass the whole gift-giving thing and you just buy gift cards for yourself. Raise your hand. No, okay, don't do that. I know. You know, all those things that you have to return, you know, the streets are filled. We have the frantic pace of Christmas. How many of you are going to be taking down your lights today? Anybody doing that today? Christmas trees? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the weather is supposed to rain tomorrow, right? So today's a good day if you have outdoor lights. Next week when you come into this sanctuary, Christmas tree is down, poinsettias are gone. By the way, if you haven't taken a poinsettia, take one home. If you didn't order one, take one home. If you didn't order one, take two home. Give one to your neighbor. It's okay. They probably would appreciate that gift. So this is going to look a whole lot different. And because of that, we have this let down. We have this diversion where life truly is different because we look forward to a better future during Christmas. We have those, those ideals of hope and love and, and joy and peace. And now, just like the, 
the star on the top of your Christmas tree and all those ornaments, it's going to be packed away in a nice box, padded so nothing gets broken until next year. And it's back to the real world. Work starts, school starts. And really, when you look at it, you see that the world hasn't really changed a lot, has it? Let me just ask you, uh, do we still have inflation? Yep, I think we do. Is there still a war going on in Ukraine? Yep, last time I checked. Are there still issues at the border? Yeah, I think so. You know, the same problems you had before, you know, your children not paying attention to you, your spouse not obeying you. That's my problem. I don't obey very well. It probably hasn't changed just a whole lot. Our problems are still with us. And so also in our story today, in fact, it got worse. We know the story. We heard it again. Mary and Joseph, they have the the joy and the celebration of the birth. It's an incredible miracle of God. The shepherds came to worship. And we hear about the wise men who have come to worship. And the angels singing glory to God in the highest. This long-awaited peace on earth. Surely now it has come. But where is it? We have this terrible King Herod. As soon as he finds out that there is a new king in the land, and he finds out that he's been outwitted by the wise men, by the magi, he gives this order. We're going to just kill all the baby boys. And to make sure we get the one, because we don't know exactly where he is, We're just going to kill everybody, every male, under the age of two. That's the reality for Mary and Joseph. Talk about a letdown. And now, an angel tells Joseph, leave, because it's not safe. In fact, I want you to go all the way to Egypt. Now, I know that some of you had some some problems with travel. Maybe sitting in an airport, waiting for your plane to to leave. And And as frustrating as that is, as humbling as that is, it's nothing compared to what Mary and Joseph went through. I mean, you were actually going to get on a plane, and hopefully you did, and you went to a destination where you had family and friends to welcome you. No jet, no train, no car, probably the back of a donkey, maybe, Most likely, they walked the hundreds of miles from Bethlehem to Egypt. No family there, no one to welcome them. Complete uncertainty. And even after they had been there for a while, and it's safe to go back because Herod is dead, and they go all the way back to Israel, they discover that Archelaus, the son of Herod, is no better than his dad. Just as cruel, just as much of a tyrant. So they pack up again and go all the way to Nazareth. It's hard to get back to the real world. So what are we to do? That's the question for us today. What are we to do? Between now and the new year, between now and the next season, Epiphany and then Lent, what are we to do between now and Easter? What are we to do between now and the next season of our career or of our life? Again, we look to the candles and the message, the light we heard 
repeatedly from Isaiah all through Advent. The light of the world is to come. Emmanuel, God with us. The kingdom of God is going to be ushered in. Life will never be the same. God is with us. And yet, for Mary and Joseph, life got worse. And even that baby who is the Son of God, we don't even hear anything. Not from him, not about him, for the next 12 years. And even then, not again until he's 30. The world is, is waiting for the kingdom of God to be ushered in. And then he's killed. <laughs> the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior. And even after he rises from the grave, It's not until another generation that the church begins to to take sprout and to grow. And here we are 2,000 years later, still waiting. Same old problems, like go through that litany again. The world continues to struggle. Sin abounds and we wonder, what are we supposed to do until the Lord returns and changes everything? Well, this morning's message is really quite simple. Two things that I hope that all of you and me and all of us as a people of God would do while we wait. First of all, trust God. Have you ever heard that before? Anything new there? No. Trust God. Just like Joseph, continue to go on. Listen to the word of God. Now, we don't have angels speaking to us generally too much these days, but we have that thing that Don was talking about before, the Scriptures, the Word of God. We know His will completely, in general for sure, and what God's will is, but also so often in our own life, if we only read and study what God has in store. To be a person of integrity and character, like Joseph. I mean, we know the story again, even before the announcement was made to Mary, the angel comes to Joseph and says, you're betrothed. Now, of course, the situation is completely different in those days. When you were engaged or betrothed, you had all the responsibility of marriage with none of the rights or privileges. In other words, you couldn't even be with that person that you were going to marry for nine months up to a year even, hardly any contact. And now the word is out, Mary's pregnant. Well, how did that happen? The angel comes to Joseph and says, trust me, trust God. This is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Now go and take Mary home to be your wife. And so it was through Joseph's life, he heard the word of God and he obeyed. So when the angel comes again and says, go to Egypt, he went. When the angel comes again and says, go back, he goes back. Can you imagine what this world would be like if everyone lived in that way? God speaks, we listen, and we obey. Now I'm going to digress for just a moment here talk just a little bit about Emmanuel this last year. A year of change, a year of transition. 
a year of records and firsts, more baptisms than ever before, but also more deaths and funerals than ever before. For me as a pastor, that is a challenge, going to the cemetery over and over and over again. For you, where you have lost the person sitting next to you, your loved one, your spouse, your child, your, your parent, your good friend, even more difficult. Maybe like me, you did a little bit of reflecting this year, especially as I was in a number of these cemeteries here in McHenry County. So often after the burial, just to wander around in, in these old, old cemeteries, some over 150 years old, to look at the gravestones. Maybe you do this as well. Maybe as a memorial on Memorial Day, and you're walking out and, and seeing your loved one's grave, but also noticing all the others and, and the inscriptions. Beloved father, adored daughter, asleep in Jesus, whatever it might be. Have you ever thought about what your inscription might be? What are they going to put on your tombstone? Besides your name and the date. Maybe for Joseph, maybe his tombstone would have said a man of unquestioned integrity. Or maybe you would be that woman of unquestioned character. Or a person of great faith. Or maybe God spoke and he or she obeyed. Can you imagine what the world would be like as, if we as the people of God were like Joseph or, or maybe like Abraham? A similar story where integrity and faith are intertwined. Abraham gets the word from God, I want you to move. Where to, Lord? Well, just wherever I show you. I mean, when we travel, we know where we're going. When you were leaving for Christmas, when you booked your flight, you knew where you were going. When you were driving to your relatives, you knew where they lived. God just said, go. And Abraham went. And then God makes all these promises. He says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, out of your descendants. Well, how is that, Lord? I don't even have a son yet. Well, just wait. And then finally, after 75 years... The son comes. The word comes, and Abraham is almost 90 by the time he's actually born. Isaac, my only son, the son that I love. And then God says, oh, by the way, I want you to take him to Moriah, that, that mountain over there. Just take him over there tomorrow morning, and I want you to kill him, okay? Sure. Is there anything more horrific for a parent? I have to sacrifice my own child to please my God. And yet Abraham, the Bible says, simply the next morning got up, saddled his donkey, got some wood for the sacrifice, took his knife, put it in his sheath, and away he went. Can you imagine what the world would be like if as the people of God, when God speaks, we listen and obey? So that's the first thing that I hope that you will take away this morning is what are we to do in the meantime until the Lord returns, until the seasons change, while we are waiting? 
Let's trust God that he has a plan. Abraham obviously did not kill Isaac. He was spared by the grace of God. And the blessings of that great nation were fulfilled. And finally, the Messiah did come. And he fulfilled that promise of taking the law that we could not live on our own and doing it perfectly. And then on top of that, going to the cross and paying the penalty for our sin. Trust God. Even when the world seems dark, even when his plan seems obscure, even when we aren't sure what the next step will be. Trust God, and then the second thing, remember. (laughs) Remember why Jesus came. Simply because God so loved the world. He gave that only Son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Christmas is over, this is true. But living for Jesus is just getting started. For we have the rest of our life to continue to be faithful to our Lord. Just as the disciples were taught over a three-year period, we continue to learn and we continue to grow in our faith. And just as the disciples shared the good news with all of those around them, We also go out and share the good news with all of those around us. As I close this morning, I want to tell you a true story. And then as you hear it, put yourself in the place of the character of the story and see how you might live this next season. So there was a man. He was coming home from work one night. He always walked, and he had a certain route that he followed. But one day, on this particular day, he decided that he would take a different route just for a little change of scenery. It was only about a 15-minute walk home, and he's, he's on his way. He's on this dimly lit street. And then as he's walking along, not really paying much of attention to anything, he hears a noise. It's coming from over there, behind these bushes. And he can't exactly make out what it is, but it sounds like there's a struggle. And he begins to hear this this rustling noise, and then some, some sounds of fighting, and then it sounds like some fabric is tearing. And there, just behind the bushes, he can kind of make out a silhouette of two people. And it looks like there is a man who is attacking a woman. Now, what would you do in that, in that particular moment? Probably, like, like most of us, all kinds of thoughts are running through his mind. The first one, he's kicking himself, thinking, why did I go this way? I always go the other way, but today of all days, and here I am, and this woman is being attacked. And then he changes his mind, and he thinks, why, why am I thinking that? Why am I thinking, feeling sorry for myself? She's being attacked. But at the same time, he's also afraid for his own life. He thinks, I'm a responsible person, but yet I have family. I have responsibilities at home. Am I just going to become another statistic 
Is there going to be a little blurb in the paper tomorrow about a, a man who risked his life and then lost it? But then his thoughts drift again to this woman. It seems like an eternity, but he has to make a decision. What is he going to do? Now, he wasn't a person of great bravery. He wasn't terribly athletic. And yet in that moment, instead of running away and calling the police, which probably would have been the smart thing to do, he decides instead to go and help the woman. After all, how could he sleep at night? if he hadn't gone to help. And so in that moment, he becomes transformed. All of his moral courage is summoned, and the energy, and the ability to fight. And he runs over, and he grabs the man, and he wrestles with him for a while, until the woman can get away. And then after a few more moments of wrestling, the man the attacker, he gets up and he runs away. And so the Savior then, here he is exhausted from this fight and from the adrenaline surge. And he cries out to the woman, trying to soothe her because he hears her sobbing behind this tree. And he says, it's okay. It's all right. You're safe. The man has run away. And then he he begins to walk over toward her to see how she is. And this woman then emerges from behind the tree. And she turns and she says, Dad, is that you? It was the man's youngest daughter whose life he had just saved. Love those who are close to you. Love your children. Love your brother. Love your sister. Love your parents. But just as Jesus came to redeem you and me, He has come to redeem the entire world. And though Christmas is over and our time with family and all the presents have been opened and the the tinsel and the ornaments and the lights are about to be packed away, maybe it's time, maybe it's this year, maybe it's 2023 that collectively we can begin to live for Jesus in a new way, expanding our borders and seeing others as our brothers and sisters as well. What a different world this would be if we all lived for Jesus, if we trusted God and His plan, not only for our life, but to redeem all of His children. And that's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for our church. Amen? Amen. Let's all rise. Together.